Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, broadcasting from the University of British Columbia on the unceded Musqueam Territory. If you're listening to this on the podcast, this is episode 193. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pander. And I'm Zachary Adam Eisenheimer. And it's been a, a busy, busy week for the Whitecaps, a successful week for the MLS side. We got a win in Colorado. Unfortunately, WFC2 couldn't get a win the same night. TSSFC Rovers kicked off their PDL season. Provincial Cup in full flow. Fantastic weekend of football. Took me all over the the lower mainland. Saw three Provincial Cup games. Was in Langley and Aldergrove. You made that trip over to Calgary one day trip? No? No, I didn't make the trip to Calgary. Langley and Aldergrove felt far enough, really. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, great, great weekend. But we're going to start by talking about the White Caps. Fantastic win in Colorado. Zach, you've been confident that they're doing really well on this road trip. You were right. I was wrong. Happy enough to admit that. We're recording this, right? Yeah. Okay, good. Um, yeah, no, it was, uh, I think, another good result on the road, a victory. Uh, the game, I think, was not. It was not a you know a piece of art that we'll look back on you know and replay many moments from it and down you know as we go through the season but it was a it was a good away result oh uh, the, yeah a professional result exactly yeah you so, don't expect it to be you don't want it to be a piece of art when you're playing on the road especially in Colorado well i wouldn't say you don't want it to be but if yeah. you want a result you don't want it to be <laughs> i don't know if those two i think for where we're at right now yes yeah. but yeah no i i think it was uh it was a very it was it was good yeah it was great to see the same formation, uh, same starting eleven, third time in a row. I think uh, I think it was a Mark Weber tweeted uh, on the day of the game. The Whitecaps have been in MLS since 2011. To, uh, on Friday was uh, only the second time a manager started the same uh, starting eleven three games in a row, which he deemed to be incredible. Yeah, which which it was, and it was uh, it was great to uh, it was great to see some consistency there. It was great to see. It was like. Those guys have a feel for each other, and it, it feels like a, quite a while since we've had that kind of continuity within the first team. Oh, for sure, and 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 usually, um, I think most of the time it's because of injuries that that happens. The the whole you know um, 
the continuity, like you're saying, it's because of injury. Somebody ends up getting injured. Somebody gets a yellow card or accumulation. That seemed to be always the issue. Um, but it's great to see, and you can really tell. I know you you're, you don't really say it's a you know a good you know a, you know it wasn't a, a work of art in that first half, but I think they were so solid in their roles, um, the way they applied pressure uh, to Colorado and not even giving them a chance. They were applying pressure way up the field where Colorado couldn't even get over the. The uh, you know the center line into the Vancouver's half, so um, I think that was a huge thing, and I think uh, like you said, the playing with the same playing with the same group over and over and over again will get them into that. Even if they make a change here and there, like a slight change and modification here and there, I think that that will help them out. But it, it was it, I, I thought it, I thought for a first half to get Colorado off his game because Colorado was desperate. They they're they're at the bottom of the table right now in the West. And they want to get a result. So to apply pressure and not even give them a chance, not even give them any breathing room, was fantastic. The first yeah, time. we literally gave them, what, like one shot on goal the whole game, right? Like- and the, the win took the Caps to, to fifth at that point, down to sixth now. It wasn't a fantastic first half as a football spectacle. Right. Uh, it's the kind of game, like, if it finished nil-nil, you're like, oh, well, we've gone to Colorado, we've gone into the altitude, we, we at least got a point. It was, yeah, it was a pretty bore face in that first half. And that's the thing. I think in the past, you would have been like, yeah, okay, we got a point, goal is draw, we've only ever won there once in our time in the league. But it, it showed like a real will to win. Like there was like this, it felt like there was this desire from the players, I think from the coaches, obviously, I think many people were very pleased with the substitutions. And it just showed this this desire to like not just settle for an away draw. I mean, even though we were we're focused on defending, our goal came on the counter. It still felt like it was like it felt you know it was just something deep seated in the squad that really wanted to get that result. Oh, for sure. And I think the second half, especially, um, that's when you started seeing op- you know things open up and everything. Um, there, were, there was that one point in the I think it was around the fifty fifth minute when uh, Jordan Harvey in his two hundred fiftieth MLS game start or game. Uh, basically uh, almost scored a known goal. Um, that was a scary point right there at that point. Yeah, and after the game, the Colorado players came out and said that they they thought that they should have come away with a win from that. And I don't really know what game they were watching. And Pablo Mastroeni, his post-game comments was just like rambles. He just, every question, it was like over a minute that he was answering and he was going on about, we didn't play well vertically, we didn't play well horizontally, we didn't play well anyway. And then he turned around and said, but we should have won because I thought we did well. And it's like, I no idea what he was talking about. Like even Gashi, who who had a few chances in that second half, he wasn't really playing well. I remember from last year, he was like just... Well, see, afterwards, Pablo had said that that was his best game of the year. So oh, well, then, maybe that kind of lets you know exactly. Yeah, how so he's doing. not even close to being proper. Um, yeah, I, didn't, I I thought he was that one chance he had, uh, that one that curled kind of wider the yeah. post. Yeah. That was dangerous looking, but he didn't. He wasn't really on his game either. I mean, I, I watched the first half at home, and then I had to to head out up to Langley for the provincial A Cup game up there, and I was listening to the radio at the start of the second half, and you felt. That it was coming. So I listened to up to the hour mark, then I came home and watched the last half hour, not knowing what had happened. But I came home confident because it sounded like we were the only team that was maybe going to do something. 
we, we seemed to be stringing passes together. We were having chances. And the, the winning goal, first of all, big surprise that Brexit was in the lineup. Yeah, in yeah. the 18. Yeah. yeah, and so many people were, were saying on Twitter because I had said, oh, he's back and stuff. And it's like, oh, it'll be just be to make up the numbers. There's no way he's going to play. Then lo and behold, he comes on and, and he scores the winner. Super fast recovery from the guy because it looked like he was maybe going to be out till maybe June. Yeah, and he had, but he had that magical tape on his knee. I think yes. that puts everything back together. The Cesaro tape. <laughs> and the, at training this week, when I headed along on Tuesday, he was running about fine. It's like, and you thought, oh, wow, he's, he's really back healthy. Jordi Reyna was also out in the training pitch for a little bit on Tuesday. Was he going fast? It's probably late it, job. It wasn't enough to get impounded, at least not on this occasion. But he he was he was doing his rehab. It's still a few weeks away. They're not going to rush him back. Brick Shea, though, I mean, it's great to have him back. It's just another piece to the mix. And he took that goal so well. And you have to give Nicholas Mosquita huge props for finding him. That was a fantastic pass by Nico. Yeah. And it shows what he can do, which is what frustrates me the most, because when he starts, he just doesn't play like that. Yeah, and I wonder how much outcry there will be for him to get more starting minutes. I think yeah. I think the co- I think the coaches and technical staff feel like they're using him the best way, they like the, what's best for the, the team. Uh, I think he's so as, as, well. as a substitute who can provide a spark, who can provide moments like that. Yeah, he he does seem to thrive though in those environments like Colorado, Salt Lake. We've seen him do really well as well. Those kind of atmospheres, temperature, altitude, whatever, it just seems to bring some of the best out of him. But we well, we've also seen him score. I believe from a starting role in a Cascadia match at home, scoring a free kick. So like he's. We can't well, yeah. score against San Jose in a starting role in the right. beginning of the season. Exactly. So we can't. So that that's why there's that, that. That was a reputation from last year. Maybe it's a little bit better this year. So maybe give him a chance. But uh, the one thing I, I found funny was this: all essentially, uh, yes, Breck Shea had the goal. He's a substitute. Nicholas Mosquita set it up. He substitute the guy who cleared it from the box. Alfonso Davies substitute. So if you think of it, all three substitutes had a big part in that yeah. goal and the build up to it. Um, I was a question to you guys. Uh, Bobby Burling was the guy who was uh, chasing down Breck Shea. Just a minute or so before that, he was clipped um, and went mm-hmm. down. Do you think that slowed him down a little bit, or do you think it was wouldn't have made that much of a difference? Because he was he was going in pain. I don't know if he's trying to get a, a, a card out of it or it, something it, like that. It did probably make a little bit of a difference, but at the same time, Shea's fast. Yeah, he is. And but he's got a knee injury. Yeah, but it, it didn't seem to be showing any of it, and. I think what what was particularly pleasing was the composure that he showed to finish. Mm-hmm. He, he decided not to try and go down the box under the goalkeeper this time <laughs> and actually try and have a shot. And it, it paid off. It ended up in the net. Well, there's nobody around to take him down this time. True. And if you think about it, though, he's now on a, a two-game scoring streak because he scored just before he went off it with the injury yeah. against Tigris. Now he's back and he scored again. If you count the minutes of those two games, oh, it's a big score. Yeah. Goals per 90 minutes. Goal machine. It, it's just good to have goals coming from somebody that isn't Freddie Montero as well because it it was starting to feel that we were possibly going to be relying too much on him. That if Freddie wasn't going to score, then it was maybe going to be hard to see where the goals came from. But Shea certainly adds an attacking piece to the mix. And with the transfer window closing tomorrow, Robo has said maybe bring somebody in. I don't it's, think it's going to happen now. Yeah, it's I not looking it's so likely. Unlikely. Obviously, it closes in a few hours, and we can have real egg on our face. By the time this podcast comes out, we might have made a couple of signings. 
there is a chance we could move someone on. I don't see who, though. Uh, one of the Orlando sites was kind of going on about, oh, Eric Hurtado would be a good person to, to oh, acquire. It's like he's injured. The, yeah, he's injured. <laughs> plus, uh, if you send oh, then you have to bring somebody in for sure because they're, they'd be down to two strikers, and you can't do that until the summer. Has anyone located Davy Flores? He has gone on loan somewhere. Oh, right. It officially says loan, right? Yeah, I I no idea where, but you have to kind of think it's Honduras. Assuming. Or Atlantis. Because <laughs> their, their communication there is not very good, so I maybe just taking a little bit for their press release to come out. So uh, with the win, uh, this was the Whitecaps' first back-to-back win um, since Ever. May of 2016, <laughs> last year. So basically a year ago. Uh, when they beat uh, Portland and Chicago at home and then took T- uh, beat TFC on the road. Um, it's their first back-to-back road wins since June of 2015 when they beat LA, had a week off, and then beat New England and New York. So I, I, that, that's a big span between uh, back-to-back wins overall and on the road. Yeah, but we're a team that has really struggled to put together a good run of, of wins just in general in our whole MLS era. It, it always seems to really stop and start. We get a couple, maybe get a draw somewhere, then it's a loss and we get another one. And it just, we've I don't know what it is. We just seem to struggle to put together wins. And it might be down to the fact that we don't have settled lineups. We've now got a settled lineup and we've got back-to-back wins again. So... We'll talk about the the Houston game in a, in a little bit that's coming up on Friday. I mean, can they make it three in a row and stuff like that? But it's it's promising. The way that things looked about a month ago, you didn't really think that the Caps were going to be in this position. We've now got yes, four you specifically wins. Okay, didn't. I didn't think that we were going to be in this position. I yeah. don't think I was alone in that, though. No. Um, but we've got four <clears> wins, <throat> one draw, four defeats. Interestingly, the one draw, because in years gone by, we have been kind of draw specialists. There was that season that we were almost led of the league, but Chicago kind of had that wrapped up with, with draws. But we were way into double figures. And this year, they just seem to have the players that does enough to take them over the line, to get the three points instead of the one. And Rob was done a couple of interviews on the radio where the question that was put to him was, if you've got, say, three road games coming up, you could get three draws in those games, and that's three points. Or you could win one, lose two, and you've still got three points. But the win gives you a better feeling. And th- there's something in that, really. Now we've got six. Yeah. The, the back-to-back wins is, is huge. Ta- talking more about the game, uh, the result was good. The, I think the performance as a whole was encouraging, especially, you know, as an away match. Um, who, in the, who, in the, who in the side, who in the starting eleven? Maybe underperformed or didn't perform as well as we would have would have liked. It, it's a tough one because very few players stood out either way, like for being really good or being really bad. If we're looking at who stood out for being really good, Shane and Williams, I, I thought was outstanding. Um, players that maybe didn't perform to their best, Freddie Montero didn't get a lot of service. No, but I, I thought he did well on on holding up the play. And you, you don't expect him to do that, but I thought he did not too bad there. One guy, I didn't, again, I hate to harp on it again, but Tony Shani, I didn't yeah. see anything from him at all. He would be another guy. I, see, I, I, I feel like he's he, he like hasn't settled yet. Like 
you know, I don't think these road games have helped with that, right? Because they've been away so much. I just feel like he hasn't settled, and that's partly why we haven't seen the best of him. I, I think his performance in Portland was was probably the poorest of the three. I know Montreal stood out because he missed some offensive opportunities that he had, but I didn't think he was that that bad in that. And I thought watching this game, again, he wasn't... I, I think he's in a role that doesn't really suit him, um, just being that far up the pitch. I think Jacobson is more suited and more comfortable in that role. Yeah, um, I mean, I, Jacobson had another good game. And during the week at training, Jacobson was doing scoring drills and attacking drills. So they, they're clearly wanting him to, to get forward. Chani was doing some of them as well. I thought he was bo- – there was a couple times when he really, like, used his physicality in the midfield. And I thought that was effective. But, again, sometimes he, when he gets closer to the box, he gets lost. Yeah, and I think it was after – let's see, when did I listen to – the radio. It must have been after the win in Montreal. It was because I was heading up to UBC. And they were just talking about the, the post-game thing on the radio. And one of the things they were talking about was Chani and how you, you couldn't really drop him because he's a player that it, it could affect mentally if he if he's dropped. He wasn't playing in Columbus. Then you bring him here. And then if he's dropped, it might affect him. I don't care about that. If he's not playing good, you don't keep him in the team just because it might upset him. But that's... Uh, but you've got other options. Right, but that's also, like, look, looking... That's a... a sh- hope, you're hoping for a short-term, uh, a short-term return and that hoping... Uh, trying not to crush him morally, mentally, kind of... That's looking at the, the longer term, I think. And so I think... I can see why people would... I see, can see why, especially that group of people, would would have that kind of approach. Is because you... you it might... Might be better in the short term, but I think would be better in, in the long term to, to to not drop him, to keep him in the side. And I think but I, he has to be playing to deserve to get kept in the side. When you've got right, but well, I mean, a, I, I rag on Russell Tybert a lot, but if he's doing well at training and he's pushing for him, minutes, yeah. and Chani's not, then you put him in. Ben McKendry's lighting it up with WFC too. PK, yeah, no. Uh, so I, I I hear what you're I saying. I don't think we're going to sign PK though. No, right, uh, but I. Uh, I hear what you're saying, but there's also, when you look at it, there's this, what do we just say? We just said we haven't had consistency in starting lineups. We haven't had consistency in results. We're having both of those right now, right? And so, and and they are, he has been like what? Like the first sub, I think, each of the last three or four games, right? So he's not like, he's not, you know, he is being being taken off and replaced with someone who's, you know, brings a different look to the midfield or to to the formation. So... That's a, a critique enough, if you will, or that's a. But you're, yeah. you're both. You're having both there, right? Like you're, you're not, you're not um, damaging his morale by not benching him or not starting him or putting him outside eighteen. And you're also saying, hey, you're not, you're, you're going to be our first sub. You're, you're not going to, you're not going to go ninety, right? You're going to, yeah. you're going to be off as your sixty or sixty-five or, or whatever. So, what do you guys think about the? F- uh- the formation, and um, do you think this is the right one? Then you should stick with it, even in, at home and against different uh, teams. Is it just teams you're playing as four two three one, or because Paul Dolan made a really good uh, point? Um, he's a friend of the show, Paul Dolan. Um, he basically uh, on another in, in another interview, he was talking about the, the how he was agreeing with Robbo that formation doesn't matter, but the fact that they're playing the four four, uh, sorry, the four one four one. When Jacobson and Chani are up there, they're kind of in a 
offensive position and then they come back and help defensively instead of being in a defensive position and kind of being worried about helping they're already in that offensive position i think that, that i think that's the key where you want to keep this formation going which is yeah i think a bit of mentality shift and i think that's a really good perspective because it's easier for someone who's say better or more more naturally defensively capable or focused to recover defensively then to, yeah, like you said, Steve, get forward and have to contribute something offensively if they're not already thinking that, if they don't already have that focus. I, I, I like it. But we'll talk about whether they, they might keep it the same in the second part when we, we look at the Houston game. We mentioned the transfer window is closing on Monday. It probably doesn't look like the Whitecaps are going to be active in bringing anyone in. They've got Shea back. It's like having a new player. One They've thing- got Reina back. It's... Reina is essentially a new player yeah. because he, he hasn't he played at all is. this year. Right. I just also want to hold up my hand because I have been very critical of our um, people who are tagged with our designated players. And here, here was one of our designated players stepping who, up, who got a goal, which was a game-winning goal. So that's nice to see. I still don't think that's being allocated right, but I was, I was happy for you know for him, and that makes I think the optics of that are also very helpful. And another newish player that we could have in the squad when he's fit and healthy Sam Adekukbe tweeted out his congratulations to Brighton on going up and saying how much he'd enjoyed his time there enjoyed as in that was it over Hmm. and Robbo was asked about Sam at training this week and said that yeah he's he's on loan until the end of the English season which is now and then he would be back as a Whitecaps player Will he get a chance to to prove his worth to the Caps? Or will that move to Europe have given him a little bit of a taste and he's going to want to go back over there? He'll have looked to see how his friend Kians is doing in in Germany. He's doing really well. So when we spoke to him a couple of weeks ago, got the indication that he kind of would maybe want to go back to Europe. But You think? Yeah. If... I mean, Jordan Harvey's getting on. Right. And he, he's he got nobody at the moment pushing him for that position. Will Sam say, you know what, I'm going to go for it, stay here for the next six months, see out the MLS season and try and win a place, or want to go to Europe? I, I, before you say that, I think Jordan's tattoos are pushing him. If you saw that, <laughs> that, that, that new BC place tattoo is awesome. That's pushing him. Yeah, he doesn't need anybody player heard, pushing him. I've heard, I've, I've heard, I haven't heard anyone say that the the concept is nice. I've heard some people critiquing the tattoo artist quality, which I thought was kind of strange. But well, I, I like oh, watching Ink Master, so yeah. it's like that's a common thing. Oh, okay, a couple of years ago, I wanted to do a feature on the podcast on players' tattoos, and then realized it wouldn't really work very good uh, on, visually. On radio. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 get your tats out. As we've discussed before, they also would not know what you're talking about when you say, let me see your tattoo. Tattoo. <laughs> um, Let's get him back to Sam. Hey, Sam. So I got, I, got, I got some text this morning from some Magpie people who were also very happy about Brian's performance in the championship. <laughs> <laughs> we're very, very pleased that, that the Magpie, uh, that Newcastle uh, topped the championship. But um, Brighton blew their chance last year, even in finishing the top two in the last day of the season. They, they're not good in the last day of the season. They're not right. good closers. Right. But yeah, I think I think for Sam, I think I think he's made it clear where his heart is. Uh will he will he though do what you said and say, I have an opportunity here, it'll I can make the breakthrough here. I've done it once before, injury and other things stopped it or hindered it. 
uh, I can make the I can focus on some stuff here and worry about that later. Worry about over there later. I I do think there's wisdom in that. I don't know. I I think it might be hard for Sam to fight his heart, which is definitely to be over there. Yeah, and I can't blame him because he is going to get a lot more opportunities. I feel over there and a lot more money if he makes it as well, which. It's not the driving force for everyone, and it shouldn't be. But for a lot of these young guys, it is. I don't think. I don't think for some of these younger guys at this point. I don't think the money's the big thing. It's about playing prestige as well. Yeah, because if like if you say, "Oh yeah, I'm with a, an English club," or "Yeah, I'm with Vancouver," or White playing Caps. in Europe, just playing in Europe. Yeah, I mean, right. It's, you could be playing in uh, Romania, and you're playing in right. Europe. Like yeah. Marcus Haber's like that. Marcus Haber will. I don't know if he'll ever come home. You know what I mean? Like. He, I, I mean, don't he scored, think a lot he, of those guys. Were. He scored again this weekend. He's he's done well, but but he but he he he, he I think likes that. He likes. I'm in Europe. He, he like has a whole different world over there. But of course, we've now got the Canadian Premier League coming, so that is going to make everyone want to come home. And we're going to actually talk about the Canadian Premier League later in the show, and we've got a lot more to get through. We're going to talk about the Canadian Premier League. We're going to have a fascinating interview that I did with new WFC2 signing Nazim Bartman. Do the Bartman. I was going to say, there's no do the Bartman jokes because that's tired and lazy, but you, you got in there. Well, you better... Uh, with the, better you showed, be, and you showed initiative to make that lazy joke. Yeah. There, be, <laughs> there better be a wavelength about this. <laughs> there is a wavelength, but not about do the Bartman. Oh. But we're going to be back in a few minutes talking about the next Whitecaps game. This Friday, another Friday night game in Houston. They don't do well in Texas. And we'll be back to talk about that after these messages. You're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Broadcasting from the University of British Columbia and the unseated Musqueam Territory. Now before the break, we looked at the Whitecaps win in Colorado. Big question now. Can they make it three in a row can they do something that they have never done before and get a win in the state of Texas? Is it a win or is it points? In the, a point in the state of Texas? I don't know if we've even taken a point, but I want a win. Yeah, we've never got a win in the state of Texas. And I, but I, I personally think at this point, like uh, Zach tweeted out on Saturday or Friday, sorry, that any points from Houston is gravy right now. And I think I think that's correct. I think you, I do like my gravy. I was yeah. going to say I I got two points of gravy because I had seven points in the five games. I'm about two point five percent gravy, so yeah, I like gravy. I mean, I, I went for six points from from this. Road no, trip. I don't think you were. Yeah, I'm sure, <laughs> no. I did. No. That's, that's stuck in my head. <laughs> Somebody it, check the tape. <laughs> I don't know if I say it enough. I think it, it becomes fact. I think you said zero, and then you said one. Yeah, so. you, you, we, we, we convinced you to one. I, I, look, apparently we're quite powerful because uh, there's a, a local soccer forum called Take the Piss, um, and it all covers like the VMSL, Provincial Cup, stuff like that. And apparently I, which I got from that forum in the first place, I've been going on constantly in my articles that two BC teams make the Nationals this year. And it's just everyone now believes that that is true, and... Then it came out that it wasn't, and AFTN got blamed for starting the, the myth. So it's like, we, we have power. So do we have enough power, though, to help the Whitecaps win in Houston? Well, uh, just... Uh, or will it be an, another orange crush? Yeah, well, they, they crushed the or- Orlando, uh, yeah. basically, oh, this weekend, 4-0. That was a hammering 4-0. And it could have been more, because there was, was a missed PK that yeah. was horrible. Um, but Orlando didn't have Kaka. 
There was they were missing Kaka. Kaka, Kaka. And uh, but Houston was missing Torres. Right? Yeah, El Cubo, El Cubo has something wrong with his El Cubo. No, yeah, he got hit in the head he's, with a ball during training. Yeah, he's got concussion, concussion protocol. Yeah. Leading the the Houston scoring with seven goals seven as well. Seven goals. If his concussion hangs on a little bit, wouldn't be too un- unhappy about that. But but their six of his seven goals came in the first four games. Since then, they have three other guys that are is, yeah. are contributing scoring. I don't care about this game. I really want El Cubo to play when they come here, though. Yeah. Um, Why? Why? I just do. Okay, okay. there's obviously some kind of goes, goes, goes back to goes back to the Chivas days. Okay. Um, I might wipe wipe my balls on his head before he comes. So we'll see what happens. Um, so uh, the the three guys getting back to the Houston Dynamo. Um, obviously, the friend of uh, Curva Collective, uh, Quinto. He's Kyoto. a friend. Uh, oh, Kyoto. Quito. Who, who the hell is Quinto? Quito. Sorry, I couldn't <laughs> read my own right. uh, So he, basically, uh, he he's got four goals. Um, the why why is he a friend of Curva? Because that's didn't looking you, really didn't confused. Didn't you visit him in the hospital? Uh, yeah, I went to go visit him in the hospital. So he's a friend oh, of Curva. Yeah, if, you yeah, visit, yeah. if you get visited by the, the uh, uh, member of Curva Collective, then the you're head a friend of the show, Curva. Well, less, I didn't say that. Did, uh, you should know better. We have no membership. Member, the partner, 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 partner. Sorry, probably. And then there's, we have a couple of 21 year olds. Um, Ellis? Yeah. And I'm probably going to. Elise, Elise. Elise. And I'm gonna probably well, I actually thought it was Ellis as well. Albert Ellis and James. Albert. Actually, his first name is Albert. Oh, well, there we go. What's the, what's the, what's the other guy's name, then? top tonight. Oh, uh, it starts with an M? Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay, Minotas. That's what I got. Yeah, that's, you're <laughs> pronouncing it wrong, too. Uh, yeah, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we do. He, he missed the penalty. We don't have a Jorge here. No. Um, okay, so uh, um, so uh, basically, you know, f- those guys have got four goals. Uh, two of them got four goals. One's got three. So that's like... Uh, between them, they've, they've scored all of but one goal for Houston. And their other big danger man is Alex. Yeah. And he's, he's leading the or league in assists. Alex. Is it, I don't he's know. Alex. He's ahead of uh, Baskets. He, he's, t- he's tied. He's got tied. six assists. Yeah, and he's tied with them. I mean, he's the danger man. He's the guy you want to kick early. Maybe he'll get hit with a ball on his head if we're lucky. Did, did, wasn't it him that got in a spat with Morales one time? Or was that somebody else? Uh, it wasn't that different. Was, that was Usted. That, that was yeah, David Usted. No, no, no. I'm talking about against <laughs> in the game, in the actual match, not the training. <laughs> I don't know. Morales seemed to be getting a lot of spots. But looking at how Houston's done, they're unbeaten at home this year. Unbeaten, but not uh, not all wins. They've lost draw points to Minnesota. Yeah, who drops points to Minnesota? Us in June, mm-hmm. but who drops points to Minnesota? Five wins, one draw. And if, if you look at the games, it was 2-1 at home to Seattle, 3-1 against Colorado, 4-1 New York, 2-0 win against San Jose, then the 4-0 thrashing off uh, the Lions. They're outscoring at home 17 goals for five goals against. We got this. <laughs> so, on, on the road, uh, as obviously we're not talking about on the road, but they're owing the three losses yeah. on the road for three, two goals for, eight goals against. But this is what they used to be like until Owen Coyle came in and completely destroyed the club, which I, I, any good Scottish manager has a habit of doing. I mean, look how look what he's done with Blackburn. Owen Coyle is like the reverse Midas. Everything he touches turns to shit, and it's just not going well for Houston in the couple of years that he was at the helm. And then after he left, the guy that took over... I was a big fan of his. So much so I can't even remember his name off the top of my head. But Oh, the former player. Yeah. Wade, he, Wade, he was Wade a Barrett. nice guy. Oh. Well, yeah, Wade Barrett. How could I forget? Was it Wade Barrett? Yeah. 
He he got bad yeah, news. Bad news. Bad yeah. news, Bert. He got bad That's news. That's why you liked it. Yeah, he yeah. got let go. But he was a nice guy. Obviously, you kind of need to have a little bit of better managerial thing than just being a nice guy. But he got sacked. They brought someone else in. The players wanted Barrett to get the job. But he was sacked. The new guy has been fantastic at coming in, motivating the team, made some fantastic additions. And Houston's just gone from strength to strength. No, 100%. And I think they they really, uh, I, I think what the difference was, um, uh, especially this year, was Coyle didn't really like playing the South Americans too much, it seemed like. Because um, uh, I think Torres even came last year, played a few games and got loaned out to Mexico or something like that. Um, and I think this year they've really gone back to that. Um, especially in that, that that attacking four, the, they play three of them, but they're they're four of them that attack, and they're they're really dead at home. Saying that he didn't play the South Americans, I think is a I'm little not, too I'm simplistic. Not, I'm, not, I'm not saying they. I'm saying maybe okay, maybe he didn't, he didn't. It's not that he didn't play the South Americans. He didn't play the South Americans in the style that they should be playing. They, he was playing like uh, an old. Uh, but they, they, were, they just weren't playing good football, and under Barrett as well, he tried to get them to play good football, but they just weren't getting the results. And yeah. You mentioned one of the key things, though, Steve, was that he could not uh, get the best out of El Cubo, which their current coach is known for. And so he, they've reignited that that flame, right? Which the, the Houston the Houston owners are probably, you know, Matt Jordan in Houston and the Houston ownership are probably very, very happy about because they paid a lot of money for him. I'm sure Laurie's really happy as well. That's a callback to Swangard days and previous episodes, so if you don't know what we're talking about, listen to those. Dutch, Dutch. Tough task ahead. Lineup-wise, is Robo going to go for four in a row, or is that just going to be too much? After coming off the altitude, I mean, they've got a whole week to recover, and the weather's going to be quite nice here. Obviously, nothing, it's not like toasty Texas weather, but will we risk running those guys in the ground or do you think this is a game that he's going to think you know I don't think we're going to get anything from this this is a guy to rotate this is a chance to rotate some of these guys well I think a couple of things one I think playing in Houston is probably similar to what it is temperature wise and fuel wise to like being in this room while we record because it's it, it is very hot it's like a sauna it's yeah. like a sauna up in here it's hot and dry which is why there's a lot of coughing <laughs> also why Steve's wearing his speedos yes <laughs> With a nice Star Wars t-shirt. Um, yeah, bizarre look. I noticed Zach didn't take a photo of him. <laughs> um, no, I think... Uh, no, I, yeah, the, the the conditions in Houston, yeah. Again, we can talk about... It's the same thing I said last week about Colorado. You can talk about it to me, you're blue in the face. You have to get past that. You can't focus on that. The, the coaches, I don't think that will be a, a huge part of their preparation for the week is reminding the players how exhausting it can be to play in Houston. It's a Friday It's Friday night lights. It's an evening game. Hopefully that will help a little bit. Eight, eight o'clock kickoff local, local time. time. Yeah, so hopefully that helps a little bit. I mean, it's not quite like a, a Mexican or sometimes a Spanish game where you're kicking off at 10 o'clock at night. Yeah. But um, hopefully that will help. But that, that's not going to be a focus for the players. So I don't think we should focus on it too much. I think the bigger the bigger question is what you just said, Michael. Is are they going to keep the same formation? And there's no midweek matches either side of this game. And to be I, honestly, I I hope they do keep the same formation with the same starting eleven. I think you, I think 
it's almost like you it would be like thinking about it thinking to thinking about it too much to swap to switch that out to change that out right i think they it's been working very well there's been some consistency there, there we have some form um the substitutes are performing well enough in those roles we have new we lost some options off the bench we have some new options off the bench now uh, i think sticking with this with 433 411 however whatever you however you want to paint that picture whatever you want to call it but approaching the game in the same way they have these last three games on the road, I think makes the most sense. No, for sure. And um, I think um, I, I, I kind of feel like they, they're going to – I feel like they're going to make a few minor changes. Um, yeah, I, th- I, I think, think so. I think they're, they're going to bring in guys that have a little bit more endurance and not worry too much about the physicality. Like, for example – I, I'm not substituting him off because of his play, but I think Tony Chani is a guy who might be uh, might not be able to handle the heat and everything. So you bring in a guy like um, I know you're not going to like it. Where's, not, where's Tony Chani from? Cameroon. Yeah, I don't know. So I'm he, just saying, he's going to be a real problem. Okay, maybe not. But, but uh, he has. He but I don't totally think he, I, I, much fitness. I, I, I don't thing. think he, I don't think his. I don't think you need his physicality. I think that's the biggest point. I he, think you need I think somebody it, that can run with yeah, the guys. I mean, he's, I don't think Someone who can run with Alex. Yeah, exactly. So is, yeah. Isn't, isn't Maddie going to do that? Is that gonna, no? Gonna be I think Maddie with? has to be protecting the yeah. in front, and I think the guy that maybe needs to run with Alex is Rusty. Who maybe? Yeah, okay. I actually and agree I, I with think, that. I think he, the way he matched up with Robbie Keane in the past, well, that's one yeah, example. And he, he's done I think well he against do, Dempsey. Yeah, he seems to really do well against. When, when it's a one on one one on one thing, I think he really, really because he's focused on that one guy. I think he's not worried about anything else. I think that maybe what they need to do at the beginning shut them down in the first half, like they shut down Colorado, and then frustrate them, and then make them change their plans. I, I agree with you that 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 has been really good in the past. I think people need to take note also that Michael is calling for Rusty to start. But th- three, when you do that, when you take that approach, three. the third for my. Th- Third thing. Oh, third thing. Okay. I, I think when you take that approach, that tactical approach to a game where you're trying to have one player man mark a player, especially someone in the middle of the field like that, it, uh, it hurts your shape a lot. Yeah. I'm, hurt- not, I'm not saying man mark. I'm saying be aware. And when he gets into the injury area, then just when really you, attach your When, when you have it. one a player who's designated to be super or hyper aware of another player on the other team, I think that can really mess with your shape. Okay. Keep an eye on when you have someone who's focused is focuses to keep an eye on no seriously I, I no I understand what you said I'm just I'm just I know yeah. I I think I think this has been working and I think they should stick with, stick with it. What about the defense? Would you keep the flap the same back four, or would you kind of freshen up, give Williams a kind of break? No, no, what, what, no. Why? The, no, I, I'm back four. Asking you a question. Yeah. Oh, so, uh, yeah but why? Just, why would you do that? Just so you're not running these games in a gr- into no. the ground. No. Okay. I, I, I it's just, a week off. I just feel this is a game that we're not going to get anything from. So this is a chance to to rest some of these guys for an important home game that's coming up the next week. No, I disagree. So my, you got a week well, off. We have You'll be fine. In, in what is it two two weeks or a week and a half or whatever it is. We have the Voyagers Cup exactly. coming up. Where you're gonna that's probably gonna happen. You're probably gonna have. I don't want this. But you're probably know. gonna have. There'll be some changes, but I don't know that he's gonna go wholesale. He's kind of hinted that he's done that in the past, and it might not be what he does this year. No, I wouldn't go wholesale even then. I would make changes here and there, see who but, needs a but, rest, and give him a rest. Okay, let me put it this way. 
specifically to your point of, oh, should we maybe rest uh, Williams? I think for sure in the Voyager's Cup, you're going to see Jake Nowitzki. Yes. What about then Harvey? We don't really have too many left backs. Marcel de Jong was back at training this week. Will he be the guy he that was in starts? The 18. He was in the 18 this weekend. Yep. Yeah, I think Will he, he be the guy that starts in the Voyager's Cup? Or if he is, do you want to give him a little bit of a run out this weekend in, in Houston? I see what you're saying. I I, I, I guess my, my approach is, is different than yours. And you're looking at this from the perspective of we're not going to get anything anyways, so let's do something different. Yeah. I think we should definitely be trying to get something from this match. The team will try and get something anyway. It's just not going to work. <laughs> no, but if, are you really trying to get something if you're not putting what is... No, but why do you have a squad then if you're not going to use it? Oh, they're going to use it. I just don't think this is the game for that. No, you got to keep it going. You can't You, you can't show the... Um, you can't give the idea that you're like taking the foot off the gas. Yeah. You have to keep it on, um, even if you think you're not going to get anything out of it. I, I personally think you can get something. If Minnesota can get a point out of Houston, I think they can get a point out of Houston. So apart from possibly Tiber and Ferchani from Steve, no other changes from either of you? No, I, I would also consider Davies in for either Chichera or Bolognese. I would possibly... I, just, I because, just because I, I was really impressed with his defensive play um, in this game. I would rest Bola. Yeah, I would too. But I don't I, know I whether you... I would put Davies in. And I, I keep going on that Mosquito's not good as a starter, but that is an option to, to kind of stick Mosquito in there. Mm. Zach's not happy. No, no, I just, I think you I think you need to, you, we just talked about how we lack consistency. We lack, yeah. we lack the ability to get making consistent two, results. Ma- making two changes is not going to rattle the team at all. All, all for I consistency think... in the games that we can win. <laughs> if, if, if these players get rattled over two changes, then there's bigger problems. No, I'm not saying you're rattling them. I'm just saying you're taking away from some, there's, there's a, there's a good sense of form. I think the one, th- the one tactical or one approach to the game I would make known to the side, I would start the same 11. The one thing I would say is we're probably going to sub earlier. So you seven guys who are in the 18, be ready to play longer. You who are on the field, whoever's not looking like they're not they're a little bit off or they're, they're, the matchup you know, wherever they're on the field is not looking great, just know it might come earlier. It might come at half. It 30th might com- minute. No. It might come at half. It might come – before the it might be come before the hour mark. Yeah, I mean by that time we'll be three goals down, so we'll be fine. I know, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Or am I? You're not. If if we get a win in Houston, I will eat my hat. <laughs> Thankfully, it's a delicious chocolate hat that I, I got at Easter, but still, I will eat that. Okay. I've been looking for an excuse to do it, so and then this is a perfect someone excuse. will teach you how to make that like a story on Instagram. Oh yeah, I, I can maybe storify it as well. St- is that, is that not what the young kids use? That's something else. Oh. Or WhatsApp you, it. Right? I, th- I think you're... What, I'll speak to Anna. She, WhatsApp I'll speak to Anna. She's the, she's the one that's kind of like teaching me all these newfangled things. I think he's got Spotify mixed with store. No, there is a thing you can storeify. Oh, yeah, really? It's yeah. Okay, so... Um, just old as well. Just, uh, just to... Well, I'm on all of it, all this stuff. Uh, just to let you guys know that we had a poll on Twitter um, beforehand. Uh, saying which of the hosts represents your feelings about the Caps. Zach, yes, we can. And Michael, time will tell. It was actually going back and forth and back and forth, and it is really close. Um, winner is Michael Woo-hoo. with 
49% was Zach. Yeah. And your face and it was, it was it started started off with Michael a lot. Then you you turned around, and then it went back to Michael. So. You, you know why you won? Because you, I'm correct. No, you know why you won? Because I voted for you. <laughs> <laughs> I voted for me as well, so there we go. Is that, was it that one vote that was the difference? Yes. I, well, I'm not going to – I don't calculate. No, I, I'm assuming it's probably one or two votes that made a difference. Well, I'm, I'm no I'm, mathematician. I'm happy with that. And, get all this optimist hey, union crap. If we get 49% possession in Houston, I'll be happy as well. Well, I never actually looked at what the position was in Colorado. The position was one goal to zero goal. Okay. <laughs> anyway, let's just get some quick predictions before we wrap this little bit up. Let's go with Zach. Oh. He's obviously going to go for the oh, win. Why don't, we, why don't we let him think about it and then we'll do it. I know, because he, he, he seems to think it's, it's time. Like, it's like a surprise. Like he wasn't going to expect us to ask him yeah. for his weekly prediction. Okay, Steve. 1-0 loss, uh, and I think it's going to be Ellis that scores. I was, I was wondering which player's name you were going to mispronounce. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go for 3-0 to Houston. It looks like Ellis to me. I'm going to say Ellis. Yeah, I think Ellis will get a couple. Torres will be back. He'll get one. Alex will probably get a couple of assists. But 3-0 Houston. Okay, I am going to say, and this is more obviously more heart than head, I'm going to say 2-1 two, two, to, to the Caps. And if we're going with goals, I'm gonna, I, hope, uh, I hope Kyoto scores for, for Houston. Quinto? And, I think uh, Quinto was from Total no, Recall. There's no N in his name. I think, there's Quinto, I think there's Quinto from Total Recall, the one that was in the, the, you know, the body. That weird thing that was growing out of the guy's body? You don't I've remember never that seen no. the film. Okay. I have no idea what you're yeah. even talking about. Oh, man. Um, Somebody tweet at us and let us know. And for us, I'm going to say, I'm going to say uh, Alfonso. Mm. And oh, who else should we say? Oh, and I'm going to say either Kendall or uh, Timmy. One of those two. Wow. Great drugs that Zach's been on this weekend anyway. So th- there's a mixture. I th- think the pessimists are, are in the four tonight. So we'll see if we're right. We'll be back next Sunday to discuss that, or hopefully we'll be back next Sunday to discuss that. For now, though, I'm going to bring you our wavelength section of the show just a little bit earlier than usual because we've got a lot more chat to cover. Do so part, man. Just to kind of to break up the, the monotony of us talking nonstop, we're going to have a little bit of music. And it's an old favourite of the show that we're going with for our wavelength section tonight, Frank Sidebottom. Now, for those of you that may not know who Frank Sidebottom is, UK entertainer from the late 70s, sadly died in 2010. Real name was Chris Seavey. There was also a film loosely based on his life called Frank that, that kind of came out. He was known for wearing a papier-mâché head, and he also did a little bit of ventriloquism with a little papier-mâché dummy called Little Frank. And I think nobody ever saw his face, right? Uh, I don't know. Some folk may have over the years. I'm sure it's friends and family, but like I'm talking about like yeah, the, this audience. folk that was on tour with him, and he never took his his head off when he was on tour or anything like that. That's like uh, Daft Punk, right? And they, like no one dead yeah. or no, no Daft, Daft Punk. Punk. Daft Punk always has. Yeah, no one's on. ever. So Frank did a, a lot of football songs. He was a massive football fan. He also started his own football team called Timperley Big Shorts. And I'm repping them tonight by wearing a an official tracksuit that I bought after the team went defunct, sadly, when, when he died. So we're going to play you one of his football songs tonight. Uh, it's from his 2010 Fantastic Showbiz box set. It was a, a five, well, four CD and one DVD box set. And 
Frank was a, a supporter of Altrincham, and they they did play in the the National North League, but they just finished bottom this season and they've been relegated to the Northern Premier League. So we're going to play a song dedicated to his love of Altrincham. This is The Robins Aren't Bobbins. This is the BBC in London calling Frank Sidebottom. Oh, no! On Saturdays at five to three There is only one place to be Down at the Mosslet football ground The team comes out, the crowd all wrong We come, win, lose or draw The shorts are black and the socks are red And it's combination and as I said The only team for me is old Chicken All the Robins aren't Bobbins, says me Now we have been to Wembley and we do well in the FA I'm involved with them About to bring them luck Because me and football We're just the same And I add glamour to this fabulous game So Division 1 Here we come After 2, 3 and 4 2, 4, 6, 7 and 8 Who do we appreciate? The only team for me That was Frank Sidebottom there with his tribute to Altrincham FC. The Robins aren't Bobbin. Love Frank Sidebottom. Really sad when he passed away. He was a, a really cult comedic figure back in the UK. If you don't know anything about him, check him out on YouTube. We've played a lot of his songs as kind of introductions and little snippets in the podcast before. And yeah, check him out. He's a, he's a fantastic entertainer. His voice grates on my wife, though. It's like whenever I play it, she has to leave the room. No, I can understand that. And obviously, he was a, a big supporter of non-league football, smaller football clubs. He he shunned the, the big lights of England, all the big teams there. And that brings us nicely to some big news that came out this week on the Canadian Premier League. Now, some people are going to think, well, surely the Canadian Premier League is going to be a big league as well, and they're going to be rivaling MLS. Realistically, we we don't think that at all. Or at least I don't. But it was official. Canadian Premier League is starting. 
still very little information really really coming out about it. But you, you've been looking into it, Steve. Uh, very, like, oh, just on the surface and everything like that. Obviously, they also, uh, another news, they they voted a new head of CSA to take over for Victor. Uh, it, was, uh, uh, it wasn't the guy that everyone thought it was initially going to be either. No, it's a guy named Steve Reed. He is BC. Um, North Vancouver, I've seen mentions of Surrey. Was, was that, his, was that his, um, his slogan? He is BC. I don't remember that. I'm not sure. Uh, but he that, he's an accountant. He's been with the CSA for, I think, eight years. Um, rose from treasury to uh, vice president. Um, he's been auditing as well, so I guess that's what accountants do. Fiscally responsible. Yeah, so I guess that's a good thing. Um, and then, obviously, they did vote in the CPL. Um, I, I think that's what they're calling it now. They, they've mentioned that they have about 10 cities that have... Uh, you know, put interest in it. Two of them have already been announced as like founding members or founding teams or whatever of the league: Winnipeg and Hamilton. And even you, you before, got that backwards. It's Hamilton and Winnipeg. Winnipeg was first, and then Hamilton. Hamilton came out today announcing that they were proudly so Winnipeg and Hamilton. Um, and then uh, and they've already made a Broadway musical about about them setting up the team. I believe. Yeah. Smash it. Smash it. And so, um, yeah, those those are the two teams for sure. What do you guys think, uh, you know, who do you think the other eight teams are going to be? Like, any ideas or, like, are, are, you think uh, Edmonton and Calgary would be interested? They already have teams. Would they bring a team from NASL, convince them to come into the Premier League? Or do you think they'd stay in Edmonton, I mean, in NASL? Could be the, the Yellow Knife Knife Men. Or the Surrey Knife Men, if you want I, to. Have I don't. A, a I don't think they're going to go that far. I think travel uh, traveling will be an issue then. Getting out there, they they have to go through ice um, ice roads or something like that in order to get out there. You want it though to cover all of Canada, surely. So every province should have a team. That's a. I think you're referring to a territory there. Yeah. I don't know. Obviously I, didn't, I haven't, haven't done my citizenship yeah, test yet. Yeah, sorry. Clearly. All the same. No, all I mean, states. <laughs> Man, uh, the the other eight c- cities. Uh, there's lots to talk about with this, but the other eight cities uh, I think would be uh, Halifax, yeah, possibly Moncton. Oh, uh, you think of two teams in the Maritimes? I'm just saying. I think Halifax is more likely. Okay. But th- there's talk in Moncton. There's some some stuff ha- potentially. Ottawa. There. Ottawa would be an option if they do. Ottawa bring them over. definitely. Then you have Regina or somewhere. Th- or Regina Saskatoon. or Saskatoon. Probably Regina because of the stadium. Yeah. Um, and then Calgary. Now the. Th- Calgary for sure. Edmonton, you Ed- think. And then Edmonton. Now, the three provinces that, uh, or three cities that um, would be in uh, question marks, and I have it down as question marks. One is obviously where uh, there would be a team in Quebec, but where in Quebec would that team play? Um, there, you think there would be a team in BC somewhere, where in BC, and then obviously the GTA, uh, Greater Toronto area, where would that team play? If they, if they, if they were, because I remember t- somebody was mentioning that would they really want? I think it was somebody from TFC uh, f- uh, a month or so ago, the saying that why would we want a team in? Why would they want to play in Toronto going up against TFC? Well, you need to be in those three. You need yeah. to be in those communities, one in one way, shape, or form, because you 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 need those are major communities with lots of people, yeah. and so that helps with advertising, helps with TV deals, all that that side of the game, which yeah. is obviously not my favorite part of of the game, but it is important. 
Um, so I think those will be involved. The, the, the big question is, or the big, some of the big discussion, both speculation and maybe with a little bit of uh, truth as well, or a little bit of fact or on the record stuff as well, has been that they do not want. They will. They've said they won't, or it's been assumed that they will not allow the MLS teams to have second, third, whatever teams in in this league, which I think is very important. I think that that that, sh- that should happen. So I think there's been speculation around how do you make that work? So will, would TFC put a team somewhere else in the GTA and not call it TFC3 like they they're like Bill Manning kind of said in that interview? Yeah. Which was a bit of it a bit of a bit of trying to show force, a bit of either arrogance or ignorance or both. Call them the blizzard. Get some of the old fans back. Right. So they, they could play in yellow knife. They're <laughs> So there is, there is. Uh, I think it cut off his mic. <laughs> there is, uh, there there has been talk about what does that look like and how close and all those different things. I mean, even today on Twitter, there was a discussion over using Lamport Stadium, which is literally like you could kick a football from BMO Field to Lamport. Yeah, right. If you've ever done the march in Toronto for a Canada game, yeah, you you're like right there, like you go by it. So what about Thunder Bay? Well, the Chill have been a great, a I great. Yeah. I mean, too bad Slamo's not here, but and they've been be right great next Thunder to Bay. Winnipeg, uh, kind of too. So you have a two teams. Right they've been a great. They've been a great PDL team. Uh, yeah, Victoria is another another Option. discussion yeah. point. Here, here's the thing: uh, when you stop and look at this, I, I think it's very easy to be on either ends of the spectrum. This is either the, either way you look at it is a massive thing for football in Canada. Right, and so either end of the spectrum, you have some people who are like, "This is going to be the greatest thing for Canadian football. This, in the next five years or less, is going to propel things forward in a massive way." And then you have people on the other end of the spectrum who are like saying, "Yeah, this is significant, but it might be a significant failure, or or it's just it's not." So there's things about it that they don't like, and like even you know, reading stuff about people being critical about even what's happened, right? Because they're like. This is not a real launch. They don't have enough teams, you know, whatever. Like, it's just everyone needs to everyone needs to be relaxed a little bit and recognize that it, is this the big unveiling? Is this the big media glitzy? No, this is not that. Is it? Is no, it ideal? Some folk thought there was maybe even going to be a, a press conference in Vancouver right. tomorrow, and I'd asked about that, and there was never no. any plans for that because because they're not ready. Yeah, and that's There's not, nothing it, to announce. Well, and that's they, what, they, that's, they've, they've said that fall of 2018 is when they want to start. Yeah. Right, and and I mean, we'll get, okay, we'll come and to that we, in a minute. We, we talked in a previous show, like some of the leaked Halifax documents uh, right. that kind of explained that. So. Some people have been critical of the fact that this was two teams were announced and they're still. Um, well, they've never they didn't announce officially the teams. They've said they're interested, and they're no. They've they're, announced those those okay. two teams. Those two teams have been accepted Are, as accepted founding. Yes. Okay, so there's been some some people share perspective how you know this is a this is a negative way to start this. You, the the positive way to look at this is. They're not overcommitting to something that's not in place. So, yes, I would agree it's not a good thing that they don't have 10 cities in place with ownership groups ready to go for 2018, let's say. But it's also not the worst thing in the world that they're saying, hey, uh, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna do this. We're going uh, to present this as kind of things develop or whatever. So I – I think that at one point there will be a launch. Or there will be like a big launch. Like these are the teams who are all going to be involved and this is when it's yeah. going to start and all that kind of stuff. I also – I'm a little hesitant. I don't – this whole this whole 20 uh, – this whole uh, kind of clausura 
2018. Let's start with the 2018 Color Zero, a soft start, kind of like uh, almost like the it'd be almost be like the league in, in, in the Indian League. We'll have six teams and they'll go and they'll play a little tournament and we'll give a champion and then things will get a little bit bigger. I I I I'd, I'd be surprised if that happens personally. Well, there has apparently been a growing groundswell of opinion that they shouldn't do that. Yes, because. They're wanting to do it, they're saying, to cash in on the post-World Cup buzz. Which is... This doesn't get a post-World Cup buzz. No. And if you don't launch the league properly... Yeah, you could hurt you, it. You could really damage it. Now, to put my serious hat on, no jokes uh, about it or anything like that, I do disagree with a couple of things you said there. I don't think that they need to be in the big markets where the MLS teams are. The big cities, Montreal, Toronto, Vancouver, have never really shown a great love of lower league soccer in getting the fans out there. I feel you need to go into communities, big cities still, but communities where there isn't a lot of other things that people will go to. And you, you want to have clubs like they have in the, the lower leagues in England, where the local community feel part of the club where they want to, like they just feel a sense of belonging to it. And if you go to somewhere like Thunder Bay, KW United's another one in Kitchener and Waterloo, they've got a great setup already. You I want was, to kind of go to those Win- places. Like a Windsor or something, like where you can, uh, you have people living in Detroit, they, if they're soccer fans, you can bring them over yeah. and support that team. But you also want to have local rivalries as well. There's yeah. no point having a team in Halifax and then their closest teams, say, Hamilton. That makes no sense at all. Yeah, you want to have That's like Moncton would be good. Yeah, so you want to have like two there. You want to have maybe you want Hamilton and Thunder Bay. That would be fantastic. Uh, they're they're not kind of far. That's not close. Ha- ha- Thunder Bay and Winnipeg would be. We'll, more we'll show you. That. We'll show the map of Ontario later. Okay. Um, it's in Ontario. I don't know. No, yeah, it's not. That's not drivable, Mike. During the Bartman interview, we'll show them the map. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, it's dri- it is drivable, but it's not really. But Calgary it, you know. and Edmonton. I mean, get that rivalry going. Right. Okay, I, I would disagree with you in terms of uh, you just you just said the um, the three MLS communities have not shown that they will support lower level football in recent years, right? So before MLS, they absolutely did not as much in Toronto, but definitely in Montreal and Vancouver. The other thing, and this is an unknown, unknown, and we're gonna see, we're gonna get a glimpse this week of what this looks like, but I think having uh, a uh, a new football club in the lower mainland that has a different approach than what's already here, I think has the potential to do something significant, to, to make a significant contribution to the football, the larger football community in Canada. For, for sure. And, but a lot depends on, on two things. Are the owners happy to lose money in the early years? And you're going to have to think they're going to have to be because these, these clubs are not going to turn a big profit. I, I, and are how important to them is bums on seats. Right. Now, I, I was at a Provincial Cup game Saturday night in Aldergrove, Aldergrove United against Westside. I would think there's maybe five to 600 people there in Aldergrove. So that's more than WFC2's drawn for their last two home games. But like in yeah, but local w- communities, people go out and support a local team. But if you're comparing this to WFC2... No, no, I wasn't. I was just kind of meaning yeah. that... Like, if you look at attendance-wise, Calgary Foothills, I don't know what they drew in their game today against TSS Rovers, but in Friday's game, 805. Edmonton struggle 
to get a lot of bums in seats for their NASL team. I just, if, if the league is dependent on filling stadiums and they've got this thing that, oh, you have to have a certain number of seats and all this kind of stuff, that could kill the league. Well, going from the Hamilton documents, that stadium is only, what, like four to 8,000 or, yeah. or something. So, but, I mean, that, that, that's part of the problem with the BC Soccer Tier 3 League which they launched in January. They asked for teams to submit, and I think it was mid-March was, was the cut-off date. They announced last week that the, the people that got in touch with them, there was hardly any. So it's currently been shelved. So it's not going to start in 2019 like they hoped. Hmm. They're hoping that maybe people will revisit it or re-look at it. The only team that I know that was going to, that had put in for it there's probably some others, but I know that there was a team, an all-star team, out in Fraser oh, right, Valley. Yeah. I heard about that. So that's the kind of things that they were attracting. But they had ridiculous. If you look at their the document they brought out, like what they thought revenue would be created, they're looking for certain seating things in stadiums, and these stadiums don't exist in a lot of places. Right, then that, that, that's a problem yeah. for that level. And if Canadian Premier League decide to go down a road where they have to have a minimum number of seats or a stand or whatever. That's a slippery slope. I, 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 think, I think they need to go to like, a, you know, one to one to 5,000. They need to shoot for around that. They can't go any more so, higher than that. So the, and that's part of the, the approach from when you look at WFC2, you look at Montreal 2. You're right? Yeah, fine. You look at Montreal 2. Like that That was part of the Montreal 2, whatever they were called, or FC Montreal they were called, sorry. FC Montreal, I don't know if this changed, but I know in their first year, they didn't charge anything. It was just mm. whoever wanted to come. So they right at the beginning they were saying we're not expecting to make anyone of this money off of this. This is all about development, right? Toronto, I don't know, I can't even remember. What, I think there was a charge. They did a bunch of double. They did a f- some double headers with the first team, that those were obviously attended by some people who cared, but not a lot of people were going up to Vaughn or wherever they were playing the games. I don't think. I think maybe I mean, they played. Atlanta. We have seen it across but, North America because Sounders announced this week that they're moving Seattle Sounders two from Starfire to Tacoma to a stadium that's going to be five thousand people. Yeah. Right. So set your rea- set realistically low expectations to start with is what I think they should do. But a lot is going to depend on the ownership and what they're expecting from it. And my understanding is that their approach to this is that they are only going to do this with uh, people who have a significant amount of money to invest in a, in a football club, recognizing that the likelihood in the first give- – X number of years is that you're going to take a loss on it. Yeah, I, I think that that's a I think that's a given. However, I think those same people are also looking at what is happening with like one of the things about Canada. The, par- the paradox of Canada is we consume so much football, right? You look at from from usually from other other yeah. parts of the world, but we consume so so much football that that's what these. Uh, that's what a lot of these investors, owners, are looking at and saying: How can we, how can we turn that into well, financial yeah, like financial viable World option? Cup, Canada, from all the countries around the world, had watched they were like third or something in the most amount of folks that had been watching the yeah. games, and the, the they, pro- they need the, to tap into that market. The problem is the people that tap that that do watch those, uh, you know, like you're saying, other places around the world. Yeah. They turn a, a nose to even yeah. MLS. There, there is they do a turn lot of snobbery out there. Yeah. There's and no getting away the, from that. You see, you see it on Twitter all the time. What, what do you think you call this football? This is not football. Yeah. So you're not going to – you're but, not but, tapping into that. You're, you're trying to – you have to grow 
uh, a new audience and get them in- interested. You can't rely on the people that have been watching forever. But you, but you even see that in Toronto a little bit, right? They expanded their stadium because they brought in some players that could could oh they, for, they're for not lack of a better term that. attract that crowd. They're yeah. not doing that for the uh, the CPL. They're not bringing in those players, so that's not no, okay. Work. I mean, obviously, we we could talk for hours on this, and we're going to talk about it in future podcasts. We're going to like chat with some people that's involved, some people that's got a, a a big love of of really Canadian soccer and wanting to see it grow. Just very quickly before we go to our next set of ads, what would you class as being a successful first season? And but that's maybe putting you in the spot because we could talk about that for twenty odd minutes. But what do you think would be a success in terms of not necessarily how many people we attract? But just yeah, I mean, how many clubs would you like to see? Uh, personally, first off, I do not think it will start before 2019. I don't either. I, I hope it starts before 2020, but I, I don't think it'll start before 2019. I don't I, think there needs to be a rush either because no, we've waited this long. For that's it. the other thing is you yeah you got to get it right, and you've I only mean, got one chance to just, make a first impression. Totally, exactly. So that I think that you're right. That is huge, and I think they're aware of that. I think they're they're cognizant, which is why this is the, the slow rollout, yeah. roll if you will. And they have got some really good people behind, like Paul Bierney. Sure, probably murdered his name as well. <laughs> yes, I think so. That's <laughs> okay. Um, Paul Paul B Paul B yeah, yeah. Paulie B Paulie B. <laughs> we'll, we'll get Paulie B on the show. We'll talk to him. Ask, oh. ask him first question. How do you pronounce your name? <laughs> um, I think it's Paul Byrne is how you pronounce it, but um. No, what would be successful? I mean, I would probably like to see no, no less than 10. I know they're probably willing to start with six or eight. I would like to see no no less than 10. And I think attendance-wise, I think, yeah, I think if, you, if you're if you in that four to five, four to 6,000 range, I think that would be, like, huge. To but, me, every team drawing a four-figure crowd would be, be huge. huge. Okay. But I, I think it's – I think – and this is where they – whether it's them or just uh, the supporter culture in Canada – you unlike MLS, you need to. This needs to be a football club. This can and this can't just be uh, some franchise you're buying in a league, right? This ha- you have to yeah. make this a club. You have to work with local people who are passionate about supporting a local club, and we've seen that. You see, look, go, go search Twitter, and there's like how many. How many new supporter groups across Canada for teams that don't exist? Yeah, which is great. In the some, passion's there. Yeah, some in communities that might never get even get a team, um, which is so it's it's encouraging. But you need to work with those people. Now, not all of those people. Yeah, you need to work with those people, yeah. and you need to you need to focus on that as opposed to focusing on bringing in small children and whatever. You need to focus on on a football culture because I think that ha- early TFC that's what they did. They they didn't yeah. focus on families. They focus or, on football or culture, winning on the pitch either. <laughs> there you go. But we all want it to be a success. There's a lot more chat to be had over the next couple of years before it launches. So we'll bring you that in future episodes of this show. We're going to go to some messages now. I'm going to look at a map of Canada and see exactly how close Thunder <laughs> Bay is to to Hamilton. I'm sure it's pretty close. Maybe I was just looking at small maps. I don't know. Now we've got one last segment to go. But before we we get to that. I just want to read a couple of tweets that we've had. J Duke, J underscore Duke on Twitter, says, Why does every wavelength song have a singer who sounds like he's a teenager holding his nose when he talks? That's because they are. 
I'm guessing he wasn't a fan of that one. Um, I don't actually think we've got any other tweets to read. So there we go. No one's, no one's listening to these live. They just listen to the podcast. So for this final section of the show, we're going to bring you our player interview of the week. It's with WFC2's newest signing, Nazim Bartman. And there'll be no do the Bartman joke sack. He was a fourth-round pick in this year's MLS Super Draft, 73rd overall, and he was expected to to go in the first round, possibly even as high as 18 or 19, a lot of the mock drafts had, failing that to go really high in the second round. He is South African. That may have gone against him a little bit. I mean, we saw with Callum Irving in the year before, when you're an international, teams... If they don't think you're going to make a regular contribution right away, they're a little bit loath to to use an international spot on you. He was dubbed by a lot of people as the 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 next Dom Dwyer. Um, I don't think it's because he was he was going to marry a, a a scab that was playing for the American football team, but it was more the fact that his journey is a really fascinating one. He came from South Africa, came over to the states to college. Then he played a couple of years at Tyler, like Dom Dwyer did. Then he went to the University of South Florida, like Dom Dwyer did. He lit it up at Tyler College. Two years there, 33 goals and 39 appearances and 17 assists. 2014 Player of the Year in the NJCAA, which is like junior college. And they also won the 2014 National Championship that year as well. After that, he went to play two years at the University of South Florida, 14 goals and 9 assists from 37 appearances. Really fascinating guy. Very exciting prospect. Whitecaps couldn't believe that he was still available when they drafted him in the fourth round. And he's still getting up to match fitness because he hasn't played a game for months. But I really do think that when he comes to the four, he is going to be a key piece for WFC2 this season. And he really, really has a good chance of lighting it up in the league and maybe even getting an MLS deal as well. So here's my chat. It's quite a long one. It's quite an interesting one. At least I hope so. It's actually one of the favourite chats I've done this year. So let's hear now from WFC2's new striker, Nazim Bartman. So, first thing to ask you, Nazim, it's, it's been a while since the, the Super Draft. What, what's been the, the delay in coming here? Was it just getting all the paperwork sorted out? After, after the Super Draft, um, I, came, I went to, 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 to practice with the, the first team in Portland because they went to uh, Wales yeah. for pre-season yeah, and I, I, couldn't, I couldn't join them because of uh, visa status. So, my ah. student visa had expired when I graduated in December of 2016 so if I had to leave the country I wouldn't be able to get back into the US All right. so that's why I couldn't join the first team over there and uh, while they were in Wales I was working uh, Dave was working on my uh, like a tourist visa just so I can like extend my time in, in the US so when they came back I got the, the extended visa and I joined the team in Portland um, for the 10 days they were there and after that, uh, they went to Canada, and then I couldn't go back with them either because I didn't have a Canadian visa, right. and 
I wasn't going to leave the U.S. if I wasn't sure that I was going to sign at the Whitecaps. Yeah, no, so, that yeah. yeah, and plus, like, my wife is is in America too, so... And she's Canadian. She's Canadian, yeah. So. <laughs> so while they were actually in Wales, I got married that, that week uh, while oh, they were in Wales. Thank you. Uh, I got married, and she's Canadian, yes. And then... So I was just waiting for them after the Portland came. I was just waiting to hear what the Whitecaps were saying and, like, what they were thinking. And it took them a while to decide as to, like, what they were going to do. Um, and I've, I was just waiting in Dallas. Like, I just trained on my own. Couldn't train with any other team. Uh, teams wouldn't allow me to train with them. So I was just waiting there from, like, March until the end of, like, April. Just waiting, yeah. So you're here now. You made your debut on Saturday, just a, f- a few minutes, obviously. But you're, you're getting used to the team. How, how have you found everything since you've come here so far? Um, I mean, the tempo is uh, like during training. The tempo is a lot faster than what it was in college. Uh, and for me, I uh, I'm way behind a lot of the guys when it comes to fitness-wise. Right. Because I've missed like five games already, and I haven't been training with the team. Training on my own and training with the team is two different things. So I found that the tempo is faster. That's something I need to get used to. And I need to get more comfortable uh, with the players, uh, with myself also playing, just to get that, that momentum going for me. So that's the only thing that I found different. Uh, and I think the guys are, it's, uh, the guys are good. They're a pretty good uh, group of guys, and we are all similar ages. So yeah. it doesn't, does, you don't feel out at that. Like at some point, as like someone is older than you, or anything like that, so that makes it a lot easier. It, it is a really good group, and I mean, you, you saw it today. It's like it's really good chemistry with the yeah. with the guys, and so many of them have known each other for years. Yeah, yeah. When the Whitecaps drafted you, now before the draft, lots of people had you going really high, possibly even a first rounder. Yeah. When that didn't happen, did you start to worry that because you weren't American, because you were South African, that that would maybe affect any team selecting you? That that definitely had a big role in uh, in how I got drafted, but I also think during the combine it was, you know, the combine uh, I was predicted to go high in the first, like late in the first round or high in the second round, but I feel like I've I wasn't given the proper chance to to show my abilities because I'm a forward, I'm a striker, yeah. and during the combine I didn't play once in the three games in my strongest position all right so i played more of an eight in the first game which is i'm not the box to box uh type of player for for no matter how foot i am that's just how i am and in the second game i played left wing and the third game they try to play me in the middle again but i try to be more up front because that's where i'm more dangerous at so i feel like i wasn't given the proper chance uh to show what i could do and that's what also basically killed me for the draft and then again the visa situation with me being South African and the international spots that teams have and stuff like that but I mean I was happy that the Whitecaps uh, chose me because I to be honest in my four years in college uh, I haven't heard like they were interested in me or anything like that. I was going to ask it's like did you have any indication that they might take you? I had no idea the Whitecaps was actually looking at me because you know during during the combine a lot of teams approach uh, players during like that week and certain players get like the feel of as to like which teams are interested yeah. in them 
before the combine I had a bunch of teams that was interested in me even uh, Toronto also liked me and during the combine like nothing like no team came to me spoke to me anything like that and that's where I started feeling worried you know like so okay what's going on because I had like friends that was over at the combine and all of them had like teams after them and talking to them and having interviews so I was surprised when the Whitecaps uh, drafted me because they didn't talk to me during the that time I was there. So it was it was a surprise for me. The, the combines it's kind of ridiculous anyway because so many people put stock in what you do those couple of days. Whereas you've got a whole college career that they can look at. I never really understand why they put so much stock in that. Your your journey to the states it's a really interesting one. And a lot of folk have compared you, obviously, to, to, to Dom Dwyer because yeah. you went to Tyler, you've gone to South Florida. Yeah. What, what brought you over to the States in the first place? Was it just the opportunity? You'd been through a lot of clubs in South Africa. What, what made you want to come over here? When I was about 2011, right, when there's this big under-19 tournament that is played every year during the Easter time in, uh, in April. It's called the Metropolitan Bale on the 19th tournament. And I was playing for Supersport United. And then uh, one of the scouts from Lindsay Wilson College uh, was there. And he saw me in 2011 and approached my coaches. But they told him that I was going to, I was going to sign with the first team in, uh, in South Africa. So I had no idea, like, an uh, American coach, like, asked about me. And then the following year, he came back. And it's actually a funny story, though. Like, he didn't approach me. He was talking to someone else about uh, the number nine of Supersport, which was me. And my dad happened to stand right <laughs> next to him uh, when he was talking to this guy. And uh, my dad approached him, and my dad asked him, like, the number nine from Supersport. He said, yeah. And my dad told him, well, that's my son. And he came and introduced himself and told me about... Uh, bringing me over to, to the U.S. Uh, on a full scholarship and everything. And at the moment, I declined it. I said no because my chances of going to the first team was, was good at, uh, at Supersport. So I declined it at first, and I told him that I want to sign professional in South Africa. And time went on, and the team uh, that I was playing for, they just took long. Like They didn't say anything as to when they were going to sign me. And then when I called uh, Lee Chalmers that's the guy's name that uh, recruited me when I called Lee Chalmers and he told me the offer still stands and I decided okay I'm going to America I didn't even tell my parents oh wow uh, yeah after I committed I told my dad afterwards like hey like I decided I'm going to America so they sent like all the paperwork and stuff and it was it was hard getting to America that was one of the hardest uh, challenges yeah first of all both my parents don't work so getting like uh, a service fee, like paying for the service fees, paying for all these visa documents and all those type of things, it cost a lot of money. And my parents didn't have any, but somehow they, they made a way. Like, I had no idea how, but they made a way. They got to pay every single thing. And the hardest challenge was getting the plane ticket to come to America. The, there was a guy, uh, almost like a family friend, and he promised my dad he was going to pay for the ticket uh, to, to go to America. So that was a huge relief for my parents that they didn't have to focus on that. And four days before the plane, before I had to leave, so the plane left on a Sunday. 
and Thursday, this guy called my daddy and told him he couldn't pay for the ticket. Oh, jeez. Yep. And, well, then um, I started thinking, oh, man, this is not going to happen. Yeah. So I left the academy to go to America, and now I can't get a ticket. And in two days, my parents got 20,000 rand to buy a ticket. Like, a lot of people back home uh, contributed and stuff oh, like that. Wow. Yeah. They contributed and but till this day I'm still paying those people back. Yeah. Yeah, because I don't want any any type of debt on my parents' names. So yeah, we got the ticket right the day of the flight that I was I was leaving. I went to go buy the ticket. That's tremendous. Yeah. I I mean it was all it's obviously worked well. You had a great time at Tyler. You won a, a national championship with them. Then went to, to South Florida as well. Winning that national title, I mean, you scored so many goals that season as well. Yeah. What, what was that like? My first, my first year at Tyler, we lost in the national final at, at our home. And that was basically the, the one thing that, dro- that drove the sophomore class to, to, to go out and win the next year. Because I didn't, I didn't have to stay for the following season because I was already a sophomore in school. Because I went to Lindsay Wilson for one year. And oh, okay. then I transferred from Lindsay Wilson to Tyler. So I was already a sophomore in school, but a freshman in soccer. So I didn't have to stay that one year, but I wanted to win that ring so bad. It basically it drove us to, to get that. But my 2014 season started off bad. I had a, a knee injury, and I was out for a month. So I missed about like eight or nine games or something like that. So when I had to come back, I had a lot of catching up to do and stuff. But I managed to score 16 in 16 games and uh, still win the national championship. Yeah, it was an amazing feeling, though. Your journey. We talked that some people have said it's very similar to what Dom Dwyer did. Yeah. Did that put extra pressure on you? Because folk are like, oh, it's another Dom Dwyer. To be honest, it actually made me feel good at a point. Because... to be compared to someone like Dom Dwyer is, you know, it's it's crazy. You know, it's it's an amazing feeling. But I think comparing us as to the journeys we took, that that's on the spot. That's the right way. But comparing us as players, I don't, I didn't like that because both me and Dom Dwyer we're different types of players. I like the ball at my feet and play with the team and stuff like that. Dom is more of a just direct forward, going straight to goal. You know. So we have two different types of games, and that's the only thing that I didn't like. But being compared to him, it wasn't it wasn't pressure on me. It was I feel like it was more scary for the opponents playing against me, and knowing that okay, this guy is being compared to Dom Dwyer. So, but being compared to him was was an amazing thing throughout my college career. So with Whitecaps too now, for for people that haven't seen you play, which is probably going to be everyone up here, I, yeah. I'd imagine. What can you offer this team? What what can fans expect to see from you this season? Right now, I just I'm asking them to give me time to get fit. I haven't been with the team for since they started, so I need time to get fit, get into into like the game match fit basically. But once that do happen, I can promise them that goals will be seen from me. I'll be scoring goals, and I'll be helping the team a lot when it comes to playing, bowling up plays, assisting my teammates. But scoring goals is one of the things that I do love to do and I will do at the White Cup still. 
Well, certainly look forward to seeing you do that. And just before I let you go, I, I want to ask you about the World Cup in South Africa. Because I, I read an interview you did a couple of years back and you were talking about you saw a couple of games there and there's lots of Brazilian fans around about your family. Just tell us a little bit about that because it, it sounds a fantastic experience. Uh, the World Cup was an, it was an amazing experience. I don't think I've ever seen the atmosphere like that in South Africa for any soccer match, basically. Uh, I got the chance to go watch two, two of the World Cup games. It was France and Uruguay and uh, Portugal and Korea Republic or something like that. The game where they won like 7-1 or something, yeah. yeah. So I actually got to watch uh, two of those games. The tickets uh, was for free. Yeah, nice. the, the, one, <laughs> the, the one I got with uh, my school. So everyone uh, from, the, from my high school got tickets. So we all went as a school. And then the second one, I was actually uh, training that one morning. And I got a call from my aunt saying that she just got uh, two World Cup tickets to the game. And I left training right away. <laughs> I told my coach I have to go. Uh, my brother is alone at home. <laughs> when I got home, I got changed, took my cousin, and the two of us went to go watch the game. It was crazy. And my mom was, at that time, she was working uh, for this catering company, and they were catering for uh, the Brazilian fans that came over to watch their games. And, oh, man, it was, it was crazy. All the Brazilian fans were in one place eating my mom's food and watching uh, Brazil games. And they had like these Brazilian dancers and all these things that were like giving us a show and stuff. It was an amazing feeling. It was, it was great, yeah. Yeah, it sounds like it. I mean, we're hoping that we're going to have the World Cup here in 2026, so yeah. hopefully you're still around for that. Anyway, yeah, it's been I a pleasure so. talking to you. Thank Good you. luck this season Thank and you. look forward to seeing you play. Thank you, sir. Nazim Bartman there. I know that was quite a long interview, but it was it was a really good one. Uh, he's a very interesting guy. I've he's, watched some of his highlights. He has the potential to to really do well. He's more talkative than Ethan Sampson was, a fellow South African. Yeah, I well. don't even know if I ever spoke to Ethan, but he he's he's a very likable guy. He has the the skills to pay the bills, as as they say, and it's whether he can now take that to the next level. Really good career or youth career over in South Africa. He had a chance, as he said there, to, to sign pro forms with a South African team. He's, he's left home pretty much since he was 12 because his dream is to be a pro footballer. And he's going to have a, a great chance. The Whitecaps, too, they're struggling a little bit with their offence and getting goals just now. Gloria Manda's a, a great prospect as well. Thomas Sanner. He's a, he's a good player. I do feel he still lacks a little bit of the football IQ and whether that's going to come at the age that he is now to take him to the next level, I, I don't know. Bartman seems to have both. He's he's confident, he's got a swagger, he can live up to that as well. And he's certainly he's got an eye for goal. And if he can do well, then, yeah, who knows? MLS could be in the offing for him. Now, we, we obviously they've signed Bartman now, but uh, there is another player uh, that they drafted, uh, Jorge Gomez-Sanchez out of Temple. Uh, no uh, word on whether they've signed him. 
But he might be still in school because school is still going on, obviously. Well, very close to ending, I think, in America. Yeah. Um, do you think he'll be signed like Sander, Thomas Sander was last year? Or I've do you think n- it- never heard of him since the draft. He yeah. Might, he might just be in Texas somewhere. Yeah, he could be. Just just waiting for a call. Well, Temple is in Philadelphia, so I'm assuming probably... Oh, I thought you meant from your Temple no, or no, something. No. Oh. But yeah, I've never heard of him since. And you said you checked his Twitter and it doesn't look No, like... he just mentions a couple of teams in Spain, retweets that. That's about it. I haven't seen anything. I mean, a, a lot of the guys, when a Canadian team picks them, they don't want to, to come to Canada. Yeah. K-Banjo? Yeah. And, yeah. And his I mean, career has that, gone so well. Since yeah, that, that was a bit of a, a wasted pick. Even last year, the uh, the the German kid. Oh yeah, I can't remember oh, his yes. name. Chris Hellman. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's an interview with him. He seemed really keen to come, and then he went and signed for a, for another USL team instead. Some questionable Twitter posts. As yeah, well. and Instagrams, and yeah, that was unfortunate. Yeah. That maybe did not go in his favor. No. But Nazim seems a, a great prospect. Really looking forward to seeing him play. He's We did that interview last week at training in the pouring rain. We sat in a dugout, but it was a nice ambient sound in the background. And he got a couple of minutes in the 0-0 draw at home to San Antonio or Sacramento. Because I still can't remember which team we played last week. It was Sacramento. It was Sacramento. And then we he got, he got a couple of minutes as a, as a sub as well in... Saturday, well, Friday night's lost to Swope Park Rangers. Mm. Not a good game for WFC 2. 3 1 defeat, never at the races. I only watched the first half. By the time it's it went a, to, to 3, uh, it's that a tough, was it. tough place to play as well. WFC 2 are playing away in Tulsa on Thursday night. Then they're back home this Sunday where they're playing Colorado Springbacks. Which home is that? Or Switchbacks. It's Mother's Day. Is it Bark at the McLeod? No, uh, Mutt at the McLeod is the Sunday after that. Oh, right. Or two Sundays after that. But it's Mother's Day. It clashes with the provincial finals, and the A Cup final is on at the same time as that. So, where, where is the A Cup final? It's at Burnaby Lake. Uh, I don't think it'll be that I, much conflict. I was thinking about this other other day. It feels a little bit like. Do you, do you guys ever do you ever see the movie Major League? Yeah. Oh, I love it. I've got all three on DVD. <laughs> okay, so Major League One, WFC Two feels a little bit like Major League One this year. It's like the owner wants the the team to tank so that they can move it. <laughs> I, 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 I'm not, there's, I'm not no, saying there's any truth to this. I'm but it does it feel like that, and a few other folk have made that comment. When you look at when you look at the scheduling, when you look at the start times, when you look at a whole bunch of these different things, it feels like they're they, they want it to not do well. Well, the, the games are also clashing with a uh, number of youth games. Uh, a lot of folk have tweeted at me to say that under eight, under nine leagues going on at this time, so they can't bring that family to it then as we i think we said last week they're not doing anything at the games there's no there's no bubble football there's no bands which i know it's not going to like they still draw they, folk in on, necessarily on may, but on, it's that's the atmosphere yeah on the may the on may the fourth they did tweet that they're going to do a star wars day again this year yeah, yeah. they have they but, mentioned that in also, the summer they also have a game <laughs> well maybe they, they know that people aren't coming out in the spring because of the spring soccer like you said yeah so maybe they know that they don't want to spend that much on so it. So to connect with, I guess, to connect with families in the middle of July, they're having a midweek game at noon. Yeah, they're having a nooner, yeah. not at the Nat, but at McLeod. Um, it might work. Yeah. Yeah, it, it might. Or it might not. But I mean, as folk keep saying to me, attendances don't matter. It's a development team. It's all about the players getting minutes. So as long as the club's fine with that, then I should stop going on about it. But that's the thing. They're not. They're not. No. <laughs> But it's going to be interesting to see what TSS Rovers draw this year. They seem to have done everything right off the pitch. Started by appointing AFTN as their official media partner, so that was always good. 
Um, they, we're doing our colour commentary for the first game on Friday night. Gideon Hill's doing the play-by-play. It's going to be three cameras. It's going to be a really professional setup, and then me talking. So that will take it down a little peg or so, two. So Gideon's from Surrey. So will you need someone to translate, or possibly? Yeah. I'm, I'm just worried he might put an knife on me or something during the the broadcast. But TSS Rovers have had their first two games. They had a good start oh, to the first game. Three goals in the first half. They were three nothing up. Came out all guns blazing. I expected them to kind of get hammered. And I'm pretty sure that the coaching staff did not think, I'll put it nicely, they didn't think it was going to be three goals up that they were going to be. I, th- I think the excitement of the new team and everything, playing the first game, probably got them the three goals. Yeah. Daniel and then, Davidson, 72 seconds, opens TSS's account. And then and then the, the lack of uh, like connectivity with them, like yeah. their basic uh, experience playing together, I think that caught up with them and that's why they yeah. let it go. And then well, the second game was the similar. Depleted squad as well. Yeah. They've got a number of guys injured. Uh, Matteo Polizzi played with Timbers under 18s last year oh. and they're struggling to get his international transfer certificate through. Oh, wow. So he can't play until that comes. And there's other guys who aren't available yet, right? Yeah, and Mar- Marcello Polizzi's injured. Chad Bush, the number one goalkeeper, is injured. PDL goalkeeper of the year in 2014. Um Aidan Bears and Eric DeGraff haven't even joined the, the squad yet, two former Whitecaps residency guys. So they're looking forward to the home opener. 7 o'clock on Friday at Swan Guard. There's going to be a tailgate beforehand. Jay Demerit's going to be there. With the speakers? Yeah, might, might sell you a speaker or two. And have a few beers flowing. Obviously not Jay, he'll be working. And it should be a will great there, atmosphere. Tailgate will there be smoke as well? Again. Not, not not smoking, like, I mean, like, uh, smoke in the stands and everything. I, I've been told that there could flares. be... Flares. There might be some talking, too. I don't, I don't think there'll be flares, but there, yeah. There, it's There's also, a, then, they've it's got to be a foggy up. evening. <laughs> you, you can get down right on the pitch. They've, they've got it right on the athletic track, so you can get right down at the pitch, abuse these Lane United players. They apparently have a lot of players from Valencia. So they're, at the moment... It's not 100% sure that they're even going to play because there's the crossing the border issue um, that they're trying to still sort out at the moment. Just those players? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they'll have some players. Okay. Or so, maybe even getting back. Yeah, that's true. They, hey, we could we could suddenly acquire some Valencia Lane, players. Lane has some supporters and they'll have some travelling supporters as yeah. well. So it should, it should be a fantastic evening out. If you're not going to U2, get along to that game. If you're going to U2, come to the game, then go to U2 after. Yeah. It does clash, unfortunately, with Whitecaps in Houston. It's a 6 o'clock or 7 o'clock kickoff in Houston. If it's that's 8 o'clock the, local, then 6 o'clock. Yeah. That's why there's PVRs, Michael. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. I don't care about that 3-0 defeat that we're going to have in Houston. So get along if you can to Swan Guard. It's going to be a magical night. Football, under the lights at Swan Guard, tailgate in the park in the sun beforehand. Beer, former MLS player, hawking his stereos equipment. Yeah. It's going to be fantastic. What, what more could you want? Why are you being so negative? No, I'm not. I, no, I, I, might, I, I might just buy some off them. I like those speakers. They're, 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 awesome. they're really expensive. I might lay away on it. I, I'm, I'm hoping they might give us a free one as, as the media partner. We'll see what happens. Just putting that out there for Jay if you're listening. But you can check out our TSS coverage if you're into that. Some stuff, uh, some folk aren't, on AFTN.ca. I guess we'll wrap up the show. Anything else you want to talk about, gents, or will we just say goodbye? Go, go out and vote. Oh, yeah. Definitely go out and vote. Doesn't matter who you vote for, 
Well, it kind of does. Is the rhino party still out there? Don't, don't, don't vote conservative. <laughs> vote, vote for anyone else apart from conservative. They don't exist here, right, in, this, in the provincial... Sadly, I wish they didn't exist in Scotland, but they seem to be making a comeback there. SNP aren't standing here. I'm always disappointed by that. I'm not voting for that reason. Anyway, thank you for listening to our nonsense again this week. We, we're going to have a short show. I've just seen that it's 10 to 1. Way. Steve's not working at least early tomorrow. I am, so that's not a fantastic thing. Just before we go, gents, let everyone know where they can find you online. First of all, Steve. You can find me on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat. On Twitter, it's at ZacharyAM, and I'm part of the Movement Curva Collective. I like the way you have to take a deep breath before you give that. Uh, That's what movements do to you. Yeah. I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. Drop us an email with anything you want to chat about, AFTNCanada at hotmail.com. I'm also the White Cats beat reporter for MLSsoccer.com and the Westerns Conference reporter for USLsoccer.com. Read all our stuff away from the numbers, AFTN.ca. Going to have a lot of stuff coming up this week. There's an interview with Dominic Zater that we're, we're going to bring you. I'm going to bring you a, a few more Whitecaps pieces because over the, the last couple of weeks we've been very focused on VMSL, Provincial Cup and TSS Rovers. Time to get back talking about all good things Whitecaps. So anyway, as always, thanks for listening. Take care. And mon the Caps. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.